Thank you all. Wonderful. Thank you. So we're beginning a new sermon series today, as we do every year, just looking about how will we faithfully, faithfully respond to what God's calling us to be as a church, what God's calling us to be and to do as the body of Christ. The sermon series, I've wrestled with the title a little bit, and the, the title of the series is going to be The Old Normal. Now, that doesn't mean going back to old ways. Uh, it doesn't mean being settled, because as, as you read the book of Acts, change is constant. You actually get eventually to chapter 17, verse 6, and it's stated, these men have turned this world upside down. Change is real. Struggle is real. But what I want us to do when we keep thinking about and rightfully thinking about and praying through and strategizing what's going to be the new normal, what was, what was the normal stuff? Really what I'd like to call the middle stuff. In between two critical moments, what, what are the things that the disciples did continually? What was the normal? Now listen, there are still things we need to do and are planning for that are big next year. Some of you, Phil's right here, some of you need to get on a plane next year and go to Honduras. Steve's right here. Some of us need to talk with Steve and say, how is it I can be a part of our recovery ministry? People are broken in this season. If you've got a hurt, hang up, you've got a habit, especially a habit right now, it's all kinds of struggle. You need to volunteer there. Some of you need to be teaching. You know you need to be teaching with our kids or our students or adults. Whatever that may be, we as a body can make a greater impact because of what we do corporately. But God really and typically works in the normal stuff of life, neighbor to neighbor. I've been so pleased. We'll talk about that in a, in a, next week, how you all have done that so well. Neighbor to neighbor, coworker to coworker. I heard this week of somebody sharing about how a coworker out of the blue just shared a deep spiritual issue with them. Well, that didn't just happen out of the blue. It happened because of the way this person from our church had lived their life with this coworker for years in the normal stuff. And then all of a sudden, this big moment comes. God typically works through normal stuff in normal ways. And so that's what we're going to be doing over these weeks. What's the normal stuff for these disciples, for these followers? How did God work? And we're going to do that by beginning in Acts with prayer. Now, I've never preached this passage before or this series before. And it took me, as we're, I was thinking through it and praying through it, we're going to talk about prayer. It took me till the very end of the week to see this in this passage. As I do with us routinely... I always say when you study a passage, don't study it in isolation. Don't hold on to a verse in isolation. We always want to ask the question, what came before it? What came after it? What's at the very beginning of this passage? What do you see? This is the ascension of Christ. That's a big moment. Jesus going to be back with his father, having accomplished his work, and going to sit at the right hand of God, and they got to see it. That's before by the way, what's after this moment? It's Pentecost, chapter 2. The Holy Spirit that's been promised by Christ, gifted by the Father, drops, and they are never the same. What we have here is a middle moment, a normal moment. Now, if you're leaving from the ascension of Christ, what might you be tempted to do? Your tank is full. You've had weeks of being with Jesus face-to-face -face, post-resurrection. 
Their relational tank is full. They've talked it out and they've heard again over and over from their master. Their relational tank is filled to the top. Their spiritual tank is filled to the top. They have seen grace incarnate and they've also seen the scars. They've seen the marks. They know that he has accomplished that work once for all. He's going now, as Hebrews says, to sit. His work is accomplished at the right hand of the Father. They've been forgiven and they know for sure that they've been loved. At the end of John's gospel, Peter's made sure of it. Do you love me, Peter? Here in this gospel, here right here in Acts, by the way, who's here besides the disciples? Not just Mary. Those brothers who did not believe. The gospels tell us the brothers didn't believe at that point, Jesus' brothers. Here they believe. They have known grace and their spiritual tanks are full Jesus is gone. How blessed we are. Let's go now to this upper room and we'll just wait. Go back in the early parts of Acts chapter 1. We'll just wait. He told us to wait here. They're being obedient and we'll just wait for that to drop. We'll wait for that promise. That's not what you get from these disciples. But my tank is full and I've been there come off a spiritual high and I can get lax, come off a deep worship experience. So Monday I don't have to be in the Word. I don't have to be in my prayer life. We can do that. We can have everything full. And what do we see that they do? In the next moment, they get together. What are they marked by? Prayer. And it's not just prayer. It's continual prayer. All three weeks in this series, we're going to be looking at the three times in Acts where we see things that Luke says happened continually for the church. And it's a middle moment. It's not this big moment, it's the middle moment, and typically that's where the Lord works, in the middle. Verse 14, they devoted themselves to prayer. It's on the front end, they've had it, they could have been lax, they weren't, and I, God's going to keep his promise for Pentecost, but I think part of that preparation happens, Pentecost happens, because they've done the middle moment. Anybody, Anybody remember the quarterback, Josh Bright? Madison Central people, you know you, you know you probably sinned. You hated Josh Bright. He was at South Panola. And so uh, he was one of those quarterback in the 90s who, who, who won state championships and, 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 and was just a great athlete. That's, that's the big first moment, his high school career. And then I saw Josh in his college career. Josh was in my youth group at, at Batesville. I saw him in his college career lead Delta State to a national championship, win the Connerly Trophy, be the second quarterback in Mississippi history to throw for a thousand and rush for a thousand, sign with the Baltimore Ravens. That's the other big moment. But in the middle is what I saw that nobody saw. When we would go to a breakthrough retreat, when we would go to summer trips, Josh would be up before me. And I had crazy kids. I was up early trying to, you know, check on everybody. Josh was running sprints every morning on those trips. Josh was running miles every morning on those trips. Josh would wake up, one of those other kids, get up early, and Josh would be throwing every morning on those trips. It was the middle moment, the normal, typical, regular stuff that produced a national championship. You don't see this stuff. It doesn't look glorious, but that's what this past week, uh, uh, recently, um, had a friend at that same church uh, who I was able to be a part of their as an adult coming to the Lord. It's just a great moment to see that. And then over recent months, 
to watch his faith when a child, a young adult child, is going through a, a critical health issue. And to see him hold on to that faith, even though how hard that can be. How do you get there? It's the middle stuff. And to hear his testimony about a prayer group of guys who meet every week. He doesn't want to go every week. Sometimes it's, it's hard to go. Sometimes he doesn't want to go. Sometimes he's tired. But he's going every week to this prayer group. And that's why he's holding on to faith today in the big moments. Because of just the normal, middle, regular stuff of faith. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 1. How God works in the middle. The revival you see and the thousands coming to the Lord in chapter 2, you've got disciples at their prayers. The early Methodist revivals were all kinds of people. Even, even secular historians would say England was completely changed. It's because you found the early Methodists at their prayers. The breakthrough that you and I are going to have in our lives, the depth we're going to have in our lives, there are just some things that can't happen without the normal and the regular spiritual disciplines. There's some growth that can't happen without the regular spiritual disciplines of prayer. There's some depth of relationship. There's something we miss if we don't have the routine and formality of that. That can be kind of dry to say that. It can kind of be what C.S. Lewis called an irksome duty of prayer. I get that. But that's the pattern we see here in Acts. So let's look at their pattern. And it's interesting to me that when you look at this word pray, if you do some study on that word, nobody uses the word prayer or pray more than Luke in all of the New Testament. He actually doubles the use. When you look at Jesus' life, there's all kinds. Luke, is, who's doing his report, Theophilus, I want you to know these things. Here's the account. There's all kinds of prayer in the gospel. And then when you get to Acts, it's prayer, prayer, and more prayer. Uh, he's painting the picture for us that this is routine, not just for Jesus, but it's routine for them. And you would think, this is, this is uh, the early church. The Holy Spirit's about to drop. Maybe after Acts chapter 2, what we're going to end up highlighting is what you and I have. We can pray always. Isn't that the, one of the great gifts of our faith? Some of us prayed a lot last night from 6.30 to 10.30. We can always pray. God is always available to us. And he desires to meet with his people. There should be, from Acts 2 on, a spontaneity and, and, a, and a continual pray without ceasing, Paul would say. In everything, give thanks in prayer and petition. We can always have that and God wants that. So you'd think we'd be released from the shackles of legalism. Just pray always. And by the way, the church is. It's not just praying at certain hours. What you see throughout Acts is, again, more prayer than you see anywhere else that the use of the word except for the Gospel of Luke, both of those. It's spontaneous. God wants to hear from you always. But they don't stop. They still don't stop with formal, routine prayer. Um, you see it here in Acts 1.14, but also in 2.42 and Acts 6.4, they were devoted 
to prayer. Here in Acts 1, it's a formal commitment to prayer. In Acts chapter 3, they're going to the temple. Why are they going to the temple? It's the set hour for prayer. You see them, even when, at least when Paul comes along, we're going to get rid of this formal stuff. In Acts 16, you know that story where? Uh, well, it's Sabbath day, and Paul is looking for a place to pray. It's got to be the Sabbath hour for prayer. And it's continual, and that's the key word as we go through this series. It's continual here, it's continual in chapter 2, and then in chapter 10 when you get to Cornelius, the only reason God can do some of the things he does in Cornelius' life is because of that word continual, continual prayer in his life. It was routine and somewhat formal, where not just for them, but groups would gather. Acts chapter 4, you remember that story well. John and Peter are released from jail in Acts chapter 4, and there's boldness and there's freedom. But go back to Acts chapter 4 later. When did the spirit drop? When did the room shake? You get to verse 31. After they had prayed, Boom. That's when the room shakes. That's when the spirit drops. People gathering and seeking the Lord. People coming together. And that word one comes up. And we talked about that last year a lot from Colossians. People and, and Corinthians. People, the importance of gathering together for prayer. And then you get to later to chapter 12. Peter's in prison. And what is it the church is doing? Verse 12, many had gathered and were praying. That is the old normal of, of yes, spontaneity. I mean, just prayers on the fly. We can enjoy God all day. Yes. But the church is still carving out those times as they had seen their Lord do and as we see the early church do for continual, continual prayer. Anybody have any extra time? And if so, can I borrow some? We're just so rushed. I know I was rushed back, back when I was doing student ministry. I know I was rushed then. But I, I just, I don't know. It's like we've accelerated. We've put the, put the foot on the gas in terms of all we're asked to do. Um, some of us are burning the candle at both ends. Caring for parents and caring for our kids. Our kids' schedule today, if you're just trying to keep up with what we're asking them to do, and it's good things at school and good things like sports, those are all can be good things, but the schedule is not like the schedule I had as a kid. The requirements at work, you can never not be away from your phone and a phone call. You can never not be free from the demands of whatever your vocation is. We are in a busy and nonstop season. I get that. I really do. I feel that in so many ways with you. And so one of the great remedies to that, so that we will have a Pentecost of chapter 2, or Peter and John getting out of prison, so the Spirit will drop. It's that middle stuff of what may seem like dry, boring, individual prayer or corporate prayer. And by the way, who wants to pray in front of anybody? I've told you before, it's happened to my father-in-law and it's happened to me, it hasn't happened here, but it's happened to me in a church where I said, hey Duff, will you pray? And the person said back to me, that's what we pay you for. It's really happened. And I said back, you don't pay me enough. No, I didn't say anything. 
I was blessed to have uh, great pastors as a kid. Henderson Raspberry was one of them. Uh, The first pastor I had when we moved to Mississippi uh, was Martin Case. Only he was my pastor for only one year, but then I went and served with him for almost six years at Batesville. Uh, He's the best Bible preacher I had ever heard. A phenomenal leader, a good discipler, but also a good delegator. Great. I mean, we had the state Ole Miss fun stuff where I remember one time state had lost the Peach Bowl, which is a significant bowl, and Ole Miss had won the Independence Bowl, which is a little smaller bowl. And we were in the middle of worship, and he was giving the announcements. that Those games had just happened and from the pulpit, he said. And now we're going to hear the bowl report. Barry, you want to give it? It's like, hey! <laughs> So we had that back and forth, but he's a great model for all those things. I think, the, I think the greatest model was prayer. To see somebody beyond retirement age still serving the Lord, but his greatest gift, and when, when he was able, I still had him come to every church where I served and do a prayer retreat for us. Um, it was a commitment to prayer. That's why he was who he was. Uh, this past Sunday, we were watching Sunday school, uh, Sarah and I, in my office, and uh, I had just received a letter from Martin. Martin and I talk every couple of months and just check on him. Uh, he's retired to Marietta, Georgia. And out of the blue, you want to take a wild guess what he mailed to me last week? A prayer guide. <laughs> hey, Barry, I'm still working on this. Now, what I've put up on the website for us is the old prayer guide. I'll have to update it with his new prayer guide. But if you'll go on our website, madisonumc.org, and you go down to our news and events, You'll see a prayer guide download as well as some suggested resources there. It's long. It's formal. It's based off of the Lord's Prayer. And I've used that for years at a time. When I'm in a dry spell, it gives order to my prayer life. But it also makes sure that I'm praying for all the things that I need to be praying about in a rushed, frenetic world where we just don't have any time. But what the early church says to us is, you've got to make time for this. When, when we have, and not only is it the great invitation that God himself wants us to enter his courtroom and, and, and to be with him there, and it's, but it's, uh, it's the precursor. It's, it's, it's why Pentecost too can happen. They've put themselves in the position for that. Their spiritual tanks were full, but we are not going to stop praying. There's another thing I would encourage you, another resource as we close, and, and that's Ben Butler. Ben Butler has been putting together some band groups, small groups of men, small groups of women, to, to do some life check. Hey, how are you doing? Some real accountability, but also prayer. There's something happens in Acts chapter 4 and 12 and Acts chapter 1 when men and women of God will say, we're going to get together and we're going to be serious, not just about study, which is critical, not just about fellowship, which is critical. It's part of the heartbreak of this season is not being able to do some of those things here. But it's prayer. Uh, prayer shakes a room. Prayer drops the spirit. So I hope you'll talk with Ben about that as well. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you, talk with you about that as well. The pattern we see. What's the old normal? Look, normal's never normal. Normal's always changing. There's always Uh, As you look at the life of the early disciples, there's always change and heartbreak and struggle. But we see a constant, continual pattern. They were invited to pray, and they took advantage of it over and over, and it turned the world upside down. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this time, for this reminder again, as we're thinking about next year and all the big things you're calling us to do as a church and as your followers. 
I want us to be open to those. But Father, we thank you for just the day-to-day where you invite us to meet with you, uh, to bring our praises, our gratitude, to bring our confession, to bring our needs. Father, may you find us faithful in that. Grow us in that, we pray, as a church, as Sunday school classes, as small groups, as bands, and in our own prayer closets and times with you. Uh, Just deepen that prayer life, Father. We want to meet with you. We want you to meet with us. And Father, we just thank you for the fruit that will come from that. It's in your son's precious name, the one who won that relationship for us, that we pray. Amen.